when the Mormons moved out here, it was not the United States, it was Mexico. And that was part of the point of moving out here. Oh, really? They wanted to get out of the Union? Yeah. Well, maybe there was no Union at the time. <laughs> I don't know. There was no Confederacy yet, so I guess if, ah. if that's the opposite of Union, then there was no Union. But <laughs> there were some states. And let's face it, there's no Union now either. <laughs> Not really. Humans, they love to clump together, and then they also don't love to clump together. <laughs> we like to clump us together against their clump. And then we like to bang clumps together. Yes. <laughs> but not in a fun way. But not in a fun way. Hey, Gigi. Gigi got COVID. That's great. I thought you died for a tick. I can hear her playing with her mic, but she can't hear us, I think. We could just do ASMR. I am hearing the weirdest noises right now. <laughs> oh, there's my husband. We're completely isolated from each other for the next seven days. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Brad's really going for it there. He's burning some rubber. <laughs> I have been sleeping for maybe four days. You look very refreshed. Right. But my head is killing me. Brad's worried it? about my asthma. That's not good. I've been vaccinated, so I think whatever I got was mild. Cool. But I found out after everybody came home from Universal Studios with me and a number of other people in our group ill, that my born-again Christian sister did not get her children vaccinated. Mm. They'll be all right. They're kids. It's like, thanks for letting me know. Like, I don't know how much that increased my odds of getting it, but... Oh, yes. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Brad gave me such a hard time. He's like, what did you think when you were going to Universal Studios? He's like, COVID, 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 COVID. Uh. Hey, I saw the pictures from your, what was it called? The Little Burning Man? Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> Yeah, the regional burn element 11. You guys had a nice setup. I was very impressed. I joined a very long established camp. I'm very impressed with Brother Ben's little burning man. Getting a little burning man is what happens if you don't practice safe sex. But That's right. That was not... Um... Okay, this is what I've learned about children who are teenagers, preteens. If you fall asleep while you have COVID and they're still in the house, they know how to order things online and have them delivered. So like one morning I wake up and literally like I'm way out of it. Okay, one of my nephews, he bought three bags of candy, not big bags, just small bags of candy and he had them delivered and it cost like $20 for like three or four dollars worth of candy mm. I, I know and they don't think that this is like a crazy thing to do they think that this is just normal now is like ordering things oh, okay. through the internet uh, yeah 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 and they're like well you know you were passed out Gigi so we would we were wanted some candy and I'm like okay like whatever <laughs> I don't care anymore they were like running amok <laughs> and I was like passed out like COVID fever. This is not enjoyable. And I've got contractors all over the house today. I, I answered the door and I look like a crazy person. I have clothes that is sweat covered. Like I've been wearing the same thing for like four or five days, I think, because I'm not conscious. <laughs> I don't know. I seriously slept all day long today. The only reason I'm even like here right now is because literally I've been sleeping for the past 48 hours. You've got me for maybe a good hour and a half before I get loopy. Ah. Uh great the minute i get off with NyQuil. you guys i'm downing the nyquil uh -huh. going back to bed oh we've caught you in a non-nyquil moment that's great
but it's just something beautiful and visceral about being this sick because you just don't care about anything. Like I was supposed to do taxes, know, right? like my books. No, don't give a shit about anything. I'm like, when you're this sick, it's almost like a vacation from everything. It is. If you've got anxiety, it does good things for you. Isn't that the weirdest thing? It really because is. Because it's like yeah. your body says, okay, you can't worry about anything else anymore. You're just, there's no more energy left. And it is like you can completely shut down but it's kind of nice my husband he doesn't usually give me attention like he's like a very pragmatic guy <laughs> it's hard to get attention from our loved ones he, okay let me put it this way he's like oh no i see people dying Gigi. he's like you're not you're okay like whatever it is that i have a problem with like he sees it way worse like you can't compare uh. like a sniffles to like a dead baby right like this nothing so like i don't get very much sympathy from him mm. except now he's seen me like he's he's watched me decline over the last week he's like uh he's like maybe you should go get one of those it's like a air monitor to make sure that you're getting enough oxygen <laughs> he's like i'm worried about your oxygen <laughs> we ordered one of those like a so, year ago i'm not gonna milk it <laughs> i just ordered one because he's like yeah, sometimes covid could catch up with you you'll have it for a week i know <laughs> Well, that's when COVID started, right? He's like so, my wife. She needs a lot of oxygen. What am I going to do? <laughs> well, the sad thing, though, is, though, I'm in the perfect position to be coddled, except I'm not getting any of that. He is, like, quarantining from me. So it's affection from afar. He's like, I'm worried about you. Go order some medicine. Like, go. He's like, he's telling me, you can order, like, things delivered. He's like, I'm not going to go to the store for you. But he's like, go order whatever you need online. Have it delivered. He's like, stay in your room. He's being very, very conciliatory but at the same time completely separate i love that he says i'm not gonna go and get stuff for you he's just being honest about that that's good he gets up at three in the morning and he goes to work at four yeah. and he got home at eight tonight wow so i'm not bitching are you sure he's not seeing someone else in those hours i know he is he's seeing like dead people <laughs> he sees dead because he's a pathologist right. he works in a lab in a room with no windows and a microscope the only people he sees are doctors that want consults with him, that come in and sit and look at the microscope with him. He doesn't get out much. <laughs> he plays with his microscope a lot. JJ, while we're setting up, Benjamin told me that he's going to the Chili Peppers this week, is it? In San Diego? Yep, going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in San Diego on Wednesday. How fun. Where are you staying down there? We have an old friend of ours who lives down there, and so we're going to stay at his house, and we're going to the concert with him, so it's going to be fun. Do you know where they're having the concert? Like, what venue? It's at Petco Park, where the Padres play. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pod racing? The Padres. That's baseball. P-A-D-R-E-S. Spanish for father. The team in San Diego. Oh, okay. This is funny. My dad used to get paid not in cash a lot. Sometimes it was just like barter. Sometimes it was pig. Sometimes it was chicken. Sometimes it was a 10-bedroom slum on K Street in San Diego. Wow. And this is before all that area was revitalized, so it's really, really nice now. But I remember being in one of the apartments and like painting a wall or scrubbing floors. And my dad was like chasing off heroin addicts under the staircase with a crowbar. Oh, wow. Oh, Mormons with crowbars. And my dad was known as the slumlord for a while, which he really was trying to fix it up, but because he kind of inherited this problem. Slumlord Mormon, not millionaire. That's my only connection. <laughs>
connection to Petco Park because I used to clean the apartments down there. We'll have fun. That'll be nice. The weather's good. Did you get rid of the pantry moths? Uh, I'd like to say that I have, but I keep finding stray moths in one of these traps that I have. My whole life is like insanity right now. It's like COVID, skunks, pantry moths, like rats, contractors. Unvaccinated nieces and nephews. Unvaccinated born-again Christian nieces and nephews. Like, Jesus. <laughs> I mean... Yes, Jesus. I don't even know. My, my contractor, my general contractor, he's the greatest guy in the world. Like, I was so lucky to find him. He brought his granddaughter to my house the other day for a tarot card reading. <gasps> the only reason he agreed to, like, come out of retirement to work for me was because he liked me, and I read his tarot cards as, like, a joke in the tarot card parlor. Did you go to a parlor to do the reading? No, 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 no. I have a tarot card parlor here. Like, I call it my parlor. It's like... Do you do anything else in it? No. Is it just for tarot cards? It's a weird room. You know how my house is one long room in the main house? I find it really hard to picture because... Yeah, it's weird. Your property is very vertical by the looks. Yeah, it has a lot of stairs. It's a multi-story house, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the main floor has a kitchen, a little sitting room, which I use as a tarot card parlor, and then like a main sitting room where Brad has his like TV and stuff. So there's nothing else to do with that little space. It's just tarot card stuff and a Ouija board which all the kids want to play with it's just strange to me how some people think of those things as so occult and they'll believe in the demons and the evilness of it but they won't really believe in the Occam's razor what is the more reasonable explanation mm -hmm. is that humans created these games for fun and to take money from each other mm. the reality is, is that the spirits are not coming through the Ouija board like sorry to say in fairness we created the spirits mm. to make money off each other too so yeah yeah by the way, you should definitely read our tarot cards on air. You should definitely do a magic trick on air too. This is the one magic trick. I'll show it oh, to you right now. Go. It's oh. very, very, very sad and it's the French drop. It's just the... <gasps> that's really cool! Like you drop it in this hand. Yeah, it's not very exciting. But that's what I did during the pandemic. I was impressed. I wondered where it went. And it was one thing I learned from Penn and Teller while I was doing the so master cool. classes. But that's it. That's all I can do. But tarot cards I've been doing for 25 years. <laughs> but to do a reading on somebody, it takes a little while. So it's like, I don't want to do it in the middle of your show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to do it at the beginning or the end, like, and you dedicate like 15 minutes to it because I'm very, very thorough. I don't just do a tarot card reading. I always make sure people understand how they work and the history of them because it offends me for people to go through the tarot cards and be like, oh, we're just going to use our emotion and tell you what the cards say. No, there's a history. They've been around since the 14th century. The cards reflect the human condition. It's very, very educational. Anyways, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Brother Benjamin, would you be up for having your tarot cards read while I chime in and say weird stuff? Not tonight, but yeah, sure. Could be a fun episode. Maybe the next episode, if Gigi is well enough. If I'm not, yeah, like this. Let's pencil that in. Sure. Read Brother Benjamin's tarot cards and I'll just say inappropriate things while you're doing it and totally put you off. Sounds good. All right. So we've got episode 10 of Saints. It's the same old shit. <laughs> I'm Ben Godfrey, and today I have two wonderful guests, Scott R. Christensen, an author and a historian. Today we also have with us Shaylin Back, who works here at the Mormon Channel. She's recently had an opportunity to read Volume 1 and will share her thoughts and questions. Any of those names familiar to you? Probably not. No. 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 
I do like that it's still the Mormon channel. I know. Also known as the Satan Wins channel. They can't get away from the media that they used in the past. Because it was only a couple of years ago. They still need to keep using it. Well, I feel like it would be really, honestly, pretty easy to just, like, overdub that or just skip it. I know. Right? Right. She works with us at the Satan Wins channel, or I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea who the people are. Brother Ben, Brother Ben, wait. Is that what they said when they changed the name from Mormon to... To blah, blah, blah. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you use the word Mormon, that's like Satan is doing that? It was a victory for Satan, according <laughs> to the Washington Post. That was the terminology. So bizarre. And who said it? That was Rusty. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. A victory for Satan. Rusty is a victory for all mankind because he's just so out of touch that I'm sure he's driving all the Mormons away. We can only hope. It's definitely an issue. <laughs> There was a thing, there's a new class I was reading about it the other day where you basically, you can just go in and ask whatever you want, but it's supposed to be based on like those gospel topic essays that the church posted that are all about the dodgier or harder to explain bits of their history. And so they're trying to like turn that into a class. Those gospel topic essays really don't help the church much. I think they think it is. But really, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's in the same vein of saying we're not going to say Mormon anymore. It's like, we got to do something. Yeah, we got to do something. And we sure as heck aren't going to let the gays marry. So, uh, and they're leaving in drive. We got to do something else. <laughs> so the next clip I'm going to play, I think it's the historian just makes this really strange comment regarding, you know, Mormonism evolved. It didn't just come in a complete form, which it should have, because they had a whole book that was from the divine word of God. But no, apparently they still needed to have incremental revelation to sort of get it going. And I think this almost carries on from something Benjamin, you and Jones were talking about last week. You're absolutely right. I was thinking that when I listened to the clip. The Book of Mormon does have so little of what has become the Mormon church. And I've noticed that as I was reading it. Yeah, like half (laughs) the rules that we lived with, we grew up with, I don't even think were in the Book of Mormon. They were either in the Pearl of Great Price or the Doctrine and covenants like or they were just folklore Mm. i mean even the whole coffee thing isn't really completely perfectly understood because the way joseph smith worded it nobody has any idea what joseph meant because he was slamming the coffee just like everyone else (laughs) i'm sure so (laughs) he was slamming a lot So it really is weird where you get the dogma from because it's from a very wide variety of places. And so, yeah, it came in sporadically. This historian, it's like he doesn't realize the contradiction in what he's just saying. I think we do the early church a disservice if we assume the restoration was a single event and all of a sudden all the doctrines are in place. We have a nice printed manual and we can move forward. God doesn't work that way. God works piece by piece, concept by concept, reveals truth as the saints are ready for it. So it took a while. That line by line, precept by precept language is very common in Mormonism. And Uh almost everything, well, a lot of stuff that you hear that are like Mormonisms. Mormonisms. Or themes (laughs) that they keep coming back to. Lots of Mormonism are things that they're sensitive about because they know it doesn't look good. So they have really pretty ways of talking over it. Yeah, it's that line by line, precept by precept thing is their way of explaining exactly what we were talking about, which is there's all this doctrine that's nowhere in the book that is the most perfect book ever written. 
and the mice can play. And of course, he's not a real guy, but I don't think when Moses came down from the mountain, he brought like one commandment at a time. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill. Hold on for the next one. I got to go back up. It's got to be a shocker. <laughs> You're not going to expect. Don't commit adultery. <laughs> Honor thy father and mother. That's anticlimactic. <laughs> they have a lot of really nice phrases that sound sweet or sound deep or profound. And what those phrases are is a way of glossing over your questions. Not everything is revealed right now or line upon line, precept on precept. But the truth is, is that if you want me to talk about how God works, we're going to talk about science, about math. That's and they wouldn't right. be spending so much time worried about the kind of coffee you drink. And they wouldn't be spending so much time studying underwear. And they'd be spending a lot of time on quantum <laughs> physics. I mean, if you want to know how God works, God is a scientist, if he exists. The things that their God is telling them are so ridiculously inane and tiny when you think about how big the universe is. Think about how tiny it is to tell somebody what kind of underwear to wear in this universe, to tell somebody not to drink caffeine in this universe like doesn't make sense to me so i don't think they have any idea how god works or how god tells people things that's my two cents they know how joseph smith works <laughs> well sometimes they try to work out how he works but no they don't really know how he works he's a con man that's how he works but they don't Seem to get that. <laughs> well, that's that's a fair point. That's humanity, though. Humans just believe things. It's hard to believe the things that are difficult to understand. I mean, I watch my husband trying to explain microbiology to people. <laughs> If I don't understand quantum physics, which I don't, I understand a small amount of what that is. So I'm going to defer to the people that have been studying it their entire lives. Yeah. What makes me crazy is when you get the people who refuse to defer to somebody that's been studying something their entire life. And they think that they know because they have a belief and a feeling. And the Mormon religion relies on that belief and that feeling, not on the hard work of real critical thinking about what it is to be a human, what it is to be alive, what we're doing here, if anything, how to create meaning. What am I doing here? But yeah, those are the hard things. It's easier to just believe in the feel-good stuff. It's hard to do the work. You're talking about the big universe. That's pretty timely considering we've got some of the first photos from the James Webb telescope. How about wow, that? Right? so amazing. I know, right? It's just amazing. It was mind-blowing when you think about how many galaxies, not just stars, but galaxies and galaxies. I mean, I guess that's where all the Mormons are going when they die to go start their <laughs> new planets. Of course, there's a lot of galaxies. Which one's Kolob? Which one is Kolob? <laughs> Have you all seen the supposed photograph of Joseph Smith that has surfaced? Yeah. I did. That's new. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was looking at the right one because I was kind of Googling it once I heard some people didn't like the way he looked, like he wasn't as handsome as they thought he should be. I think he looks more handsome than the oil painting. I mean, he looked more weathered. <laughs> He looked more real. If you got your jollies off on that oil painting, that's really creepy. Still, some people like artificial. <laughs> I'm a very real girl. If people ever saw what Jesus looked like after they've seen these like super white Aryan pictures in their church and then this like 
tiny guy with curly hair who's very clearly a Middle Eastern Jew. You're like, it doesn't look like Jesus, because that's just not what you're used to. No. So do you think that's really a photo of him or not? I've seen that photo before. I don't remember when. And oh, really? The photo itself has been out there. Like It was just they weren't sure who it was. I read some articles on it. I don't remember exactly what they had done to confirm that's who it was or how they confirmed that. I don't think they told us. They said that they waited to confirm it before releasing. Mm. What I mean is not so much that they didn't say it was confirmed, but like, how did they confirm it? Yeah, how did they do it? Like, you can't compare it against other photographs or no. or anything like that. But but the picture itself, I think, was like a really tiny picture, you know, one of those like fold out lockets. And I think what they were doing is tracing like the family history of that item. And they found some journal entry or something that said that, yeah, that's what it was. Mm. Joseph Smith gave his 15th wife a locket with his picture in it or something. Anybody Emma got herpes and an abortion. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Poor Emma. That was just mean, Ben. Jeez. Oh. I went to Mormonism and all I got was an STD. You'd be lucky if that's all you got. Right. That means at least you had a good time. At least it was before AIDS. Anyway, I mean, I believe it's a real photo, but I don't think it's him. I don't think there's any way it could be him. Huh, I don't really know. You know, the oil painting is supposed to be some kind of likeness of him, and I know that Emma said it wasn't a very good likeness, but that's believable that it wasn't a very good likeness. But come on, this facial structure was just completely different. I don't know how they verified it. If they want to tell us how they verified it, great. But if they're not going to tell us how they verified it and just say they verified it, I'm not going to believe you. I could send you an article if you want it. Yes, send me an article and I'll eat my words next week after reading it. Okay, so in this next clip, Smitty somehow delivers some person who supposedly has an evil spirit. I want your theories about how all of this went down in a non-spiritual way because I think there's lots of possible answers and some of them are probably better than others. You tell me your thoughts. One day, Joseph invited him to pray at a meeting, but Newell said he would rather pray alone in the woods. The next morning, Newell went to the woods and tried to pray. An uneasy feeling came over him, and it grew worse as he started for home. By the time he reached his house, the feeling was so oppressive that he begged his wife Sally to get the prophet. Joseph hurried to Newell's side and found family members and neighbors watching fearfully as the young man's face arms and legs contorted wildly. Scott, this is a pretty scary moment here. What happened? <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what all of the people that are watching Newell are thinking. <laughs> Joseph Smith arrives. <laughs> he is able to cast uh, Satan uh, out, of, out of Newell and uh, restore Newell to the condition he had before this. This historian felt silly about saying he cast Satan out. He sort of stumbled over his words. He knew it sounded stupid. In my experience, I have to say the church has never really been one to have those preachers up at the front that are going to be like, you're healed. <laughs> they don't do that. The evangelical holy rollers, you know, the people that are like doing faith healings, they're picking people up out of their wheelchairs and all that. We've never had that. And then the person doesn't really get better, but we've had the laying on the hands. 
for me to hear that Joseph Smith ever expelled demons, that's the first time I've ever heard that personally. Because Mormons are really good at being boring <laughs> because they don't want to attract attention because then people will persecute them. So their church services are boring, okay? They don't televise them. They don't have faith healings in public. Even though they talk about having the ability to speak in tongues, they don't do the Pentecostal holy rolling like some of the churches do. <laughs> so this is kind of an interesting thing for me to even hear. 100% with Gigi, like that is not a part of the modern Mormon doctrine. But I think back in Joe's day, I think they tried some stuff out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a... Polygamy. And just all like the gifts of the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it was in the clip, but I was listening to like the whole episode. I didn't get all the way through it, but I listened to a it's lot of it far. before we started. And <laughs> shortly, I think after this clip ends, the woman who's there says something like, yeah, you don't see that very much anymore. <laughs> like, really? Really? <laughs> Is that because yeah. Satan doesn't take people over anymore or because you realized it was batshit crazy? <laughs> or the person had epilepsy or maybe he had a snake bite. I don't know. To the degree that it's a true story, it sounds to me like a pretty garden variety panic attack. You know, I've had panic attacks back when I was religious that I thought was demonic possession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're taught to think that that could be a possibility. And, you know, and you put somebody in this mood where they're like full of the religious fervor and then they start getting this feeling like, oh, did I fuck up? And then the doom panic comes in and pretty soon you're on your floor thinking you're going to die. And the guy who planted all those seeds in your head comes and says you're fine. Like to uh, me, psychologically, I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that happening too. And I hadn't thought of that scenario. See, this is why I like talking with y'all. Y'all come up with interesting ideas. That is a very good explanation for it, and it's a very normal explanation. You can imagine it. Yeah, just like that that feeling after you like back into somebody's car or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. You're just like, oh, I fucked up. Exactly. <laughs> Gigi, do you have any theories about what happened here? What can explain this? Epilepsy. Right. He's yeah. flailing about. If you were to say, Gigi, you have two choices. This man was minding his own business when he was possessed by a demon from another realm of existence that wants to doom your soul for all of eternity or you had a medical condition, I would go with the medical condition every time. Do you think that Smitty set up this scenario or do you think that he was opportunistic about tagging onto it and showing his, you know, spiritual prowess? I'm going to say opportunistic. Because I just think that that's a little bit too much. Then I also think that the stories become more evolved as time goes by. Right. That's true. A story either disappears forever uh -huh. or it becomes more interesting as time goes on. Yeah. This one got more interesting as time went on, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good thought. When I was listening to this the first time, I wondered if maybe Smitty could have set him up. That's why I put the preamble in where they were talking the day before about prayer. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if Smitty was maybe conditioning him there with some hypnotism. He's like, no, I don't want to pray with you. And then he goes off into the forest to try and pray by himself, but he started feeling really weird. So I guess he comes home and then he starts having this fit or whatever. It just seems like maybe Smitty could have possibly set him up if he was a hypnotist. But I think more likely is what Gigi said. I think that he had an epileptic fit and then got over it. Or just any other kind of <laughs> medical condition that made him look a little odd. And over time... Uh, He's flailing about from a demon. Mm. 
I'm sorry. I'm not going to buy these little apocryphal stories that yeah. try to build people's faith without something else. It just see, seems so thin. And clearly the people that believe this story haven't seen a Benny Hinn crusade and they really should just YouTube it or Google it because Benny Hinn creates mass gyrations in people flailing around and doing all sorts of sounds and they're not even epileptic. So what's going on there? It just happens. Humans are really strange. Right. If a Mormon person will watch that happen and say, that's ridiculous, that's not God, that's people acting crazy, do you see how they're willing to suspend disbelief so much for a story that supports their position? I have never met a Mormon that was hesitant to make fun criticizing holy rollers or the people that juggle rattlesnakes, uh -huh. okay? Mm -hmm. Mormons will always say, that's the crazy people, but they will always take another crazy story and use it to buttress their own faith. Oh, did you know that somebody's cousin was in a car accident and the entire car was engulfed in flames, except their garments saved them? <laughs> I heard a version of that story where the fire didn't burn the garments, but the person still died. <laughs> That was God being like, fuck you. Just like, just okay. fuck you. But they're very willing to believe the stories that support their position. I, and I don't think there's anything super unique about Mormonism yeah. in that. Like, I'm sure that they all. all people of almost all religions make fun of people of other religions because their God has a different mustache or something. That's right. You said a minute ago about Smitty setting it up. Like, I don't think he set it up in the sense that he caused this specific thing to happen intentionally, no, but I do think that in general, he's creating an atmosphere like that. Right. Where people are in this very, like, magical thinking headspace and thinking about, like, evil forces that are mm -hmm. against you so that you're in a headspace where that sort of thing, in general, you're more susceptible to that kind of thing. Just like a faith healer. So in the specific, I think, no. In general, yeah, I think he totally did that. Let's have a look at the next clip. <laughs> I call this Smitty Paul's focus at Emma's baptism, which is probably not the correct interpretation of the story. He probably wasn't trying to pull focus, but he kind of did. And I just think that's so typical. Okay, let me just play it. Scott, what happened at Emma's baptism? There are no fonts. Other churches aren't practicing uh, typically uh, baptism by immersion. So you go to a place where you can find water, which are streams. And if they're not large enough, you have to partially dam them up. Antagonists notice that they've dammed the river, there's gonna be a public baptism. Fortunately, the baptism does happen. They plan to do a confirmation so that she can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They can't do that. Uh, because the mob is so threatening. These folks that are watching kind of get charges going that Joseph is disturbing the peace. He's arrested twice at his own wife's baptism trying to confirm her. They have to leave town just to confirm her. It's really kind of an incredible story. I don't know how you get arrested. Nobody should be run out of town for practicing their religious beliefs. Like, no. that just gave the Mormons... That martyr complex thing. Yeah. One of the biggest things that can make a cult grow is feeling like everybody else is against you. They all want to kill you. They hate you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, cling to your cult. All of these stories just feed into that martyrdom of the entire church. And that creates a good glue to keep a church together. So, of course, reiterating these stories, of course, they want to focus on these stories. Of course, they want to make this part of their identity. I mean, whether or not it happened, it doesn't matter. It's just another story of persecution that they cling to. Amen. <laughs> what she said. <laughs>
the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit part, they couldn't do that. Now, obviously, it's separate from the actual dunking. Yes. Tell me what is this ritual that they do to get the Holy Spirit? And Brother Benjamin, you've done both of this, right? I've done both of these, yes. The baptism usually happens during the week because they have to baptize you in the church. But then the Sunday after the baptism, typically you get blessed by your father or other men in your family that have the Melchizedek priesthood. So it always happens a couple of days later anyway. Not always. Well, now. So what were they complaining about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's called the confirmation ceremony. And you are given the gift of the Holy Ghost. The way that it works commonly now, at least the last time I was involved, which again has been a minute, was (laughs) you would get baptized on, usually it would be the first Saturday of the month. And then the following Sunday in church, you'd have this confirmation thing done. And like Gigi was saying, all your sort of adult male relatives will come around and they'll put a hand on your head and then one of them will do the blessing. And there's a little bit of required language and the rest of it is just stream of consciousness or whatever they feel like telling you. Yeah, they can make up whatever they want. Uh, And so you actually go in front of the whole church. I want to see maybe 12 men. How many men get around you? Jesus Christ. Well, it really depends on your family. When I gave it to somebody, it was just me. I only did that once. Okay, so when I was confirmed, it was a lot, yeah. But it's not unusual to be like, I'm going to bring all my brothers in. <laughs> or other men in the church, yeah, that you're close to. There's no set number other than it has to be at least one. And then they all put their hands on your head and they pray over you and it feels really neat. It is. I felt special in front of the church. It was like a big hug. <laughs> it was very pleasant. I didn't hate it. Mm. I mean, my baptism was very quick. It didn't bother me. You know, when you're a child, it makes you feel special like you're part of something now you're old enough to understand that something is important yeah so it's pretty harmless as far as rituals go mm-hmm. <laughs> we respond very much to rituals as people mm. like the fact that it's a made-up ritual doesn't necessarily prevent it from being meaningful in that time yeah so yeah now i'm guessing these people that lay on hands they'll be saying stuff because you said stream of consciousness it's one person usually so there's lots of people standing around but only one person talks they do it in a certain way every man puts a hand on the head and his other hand on the shoulder of the man next to him so it creates this really interesting circle of humanity and then one of them talks with all of their power combined one man talks if you have few enough people you can do both hands but if you're doing like the everybody and their brother thing then you just do one hand is it an off-the-cuff prophecy as well it's what's called a blessing and in theory you can prophesy but it would be really general things like i promise you that if you keep the lord's commandments then you will prosper (laughs) yeah You know, it's not like when you turn 12, a guy is going to offer you some candy. It's not candy. Don't Don't take take it. it. You know, it's nothing like that. (laughs) Nothing Nothing useful. (laughs) Does anybody ever use this as an opportunity to subtly guide the baptizee? Because they know this person, they might sort of add in something like, and, you know, stay away from such and such advice that they might see them getting into and you will be fine. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Very passive-aggressive, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Christians are really good at the rituals and the recognition of the parts of your life that need recognizing, right? Like birth, death, marriage. Coming of age, becoming an adult in the community. Yeah. Yeah, humans want some kind of marking. And if you don't create your 
own, yeah, you will go find them somewhere else. And all religions have this. So to have some kind of ritualistic recognition of these giant moments in life is important. That's why people so easily find themselves in religions, because they don't realize that what they're looking for is not dogma and religion. What they're looking for is belonging, meaning, meaning. recognition of their fleeting life to be witnessed. I had a baby. Here I am presenting it. I'm getting married. Here I am presenting this moment in my life to my community. I have a community here that's recognizing and seeing it. And that's important to people. And if the only place they can find that is in a religion that is full of all kinds of horrible flaws, how sad is it that we'll still go to that religion to find that? I know. I really, really wish we had better community, better secular spaces. Better churches. <laughs> Scott, what happened with Hiram Page at this time? He started receiving uh, what he thought were revelations for the church, and he <laughs> shared them, hoping that they would be of use for the whole church. <laughs> Stepping into an area where he did not have authority. <laughs> it's got to be kind of confusing, don't you think? <laughs> we believe in personal revelation. <laughs> Until this event happens, it's never occurred to the saints that they couldn't all potentially receive revelation for the entire church. <laughs> Joseph seeks direction from the Lord, and that's where, in fact, we get a, a section of the Doctrine and Covenants that clarifies how this will work for the church. And it's just one more example of the gospel being revealed line upon line, precept upon precept. But this was an important clarification where the Lord could say, I select someone in every given moment to speak for me, and uh, Hiram, it's not you. And higher, and it's not you. <laughs> yeah, Smitty sets him up with this whole idea, you can receive direct revelation from God, and then when it steps on his toes as being the one who's the mouthpiece, it's like, no, you can't do that. There's only one mouthpiece. You can't have more than one person getting direct revelation from God in a cult. No. It doesn't work that way. No. It seems like, to me, just even over my life, like the emphasis on going and getting your own knowledge versus listening to authority figures, like it's tilting more and more to authority figures <laughs> in, in terms of the way Mormonism works, just in general. I remember once when my sister, who was Mormon, said her mother-in-law had some kind of revelation about her marriage, and she's like, Jesus, if God was going to talk to somebody about my marriage, it wouldn't be talking to my mother-in-law, Jesus would be no. talking to me, right? <laughs> And my sister did not like that people would go up to you and be like, oh, I received a personal revelation about you. <laughs> so that's how serious her mother-in-law was. Like, she really believed that she was receiving personal revelation from God that she had to share. Of course. Perfect way to manipulate. That's so mother-in-law. You can't question it. You can't say, no, I don't think you were talking to God. <laughs> the church at this point, I think that they've had a history of people finding their own personal revelations, and it's gone wrong on them. <laughs> I think you set up a system where the things they tell you to do, like go and pray, and if you really believe and all this stuff, like it sets you up for that. But ultimately, you're just hearing what some part of your subconscious wants you to hear. And that's a problem because not everybody's subconscious wants to say the same shit. So then you need this other hierarchy. I don't think that was something that was well thought out. No. But fortunately, there was another precept that came along. That's right. Actually, you can get personal revelation about what kind of shit 
shoes you should buy. <laughs> but, you know, for everybody, let's just leave that to the professionals. Right. So Smitty created the doctrine and covenants for everything he forgot about in his book. All right. So next section, they get to talking about the Native Americans. The title page of the Book of Mormon, which was also translated as part of the scripture, declares that that book of scripture is written to the Lamanites. If the church was going to be using it correctly, they were going to be sharing it with the American Indians, federal agents who have responsibility for those tribal relationships. Assume that the Mormons must have ulterior motives. They would just begin to establish congregations and then would be forced away by these government agents. So all of the tribes in the Southwest were proselyted and there was a great positive response and early congregations were set up in some of those communities. The Shoshone start experiencing dreams and visions that they should seek out the Mormons and be baptized. So beginning in 1873 with the baptism of Sagwitch's entire tribe through 1875 with the baptism of, of another 1,800 Indians from various tribes in, in the Intermountain area. We have this huge conversion experience and, and the church moves quickly to teach them farming skills and to get them settled and did some really good things. In 1875, there was an amendment passed the 1862 Homestead Act. American Indians could file on homesteads like anyone else. The Mormons helped dozens of Shoshone file on homestead lands. It's kind of absurd to think they're filing on lands that they already inherently own, but they had to do that to not be forced to reservations where they would have faced starvation and other issues. So it's a success story. They're not going to talk about the Mountain Meadow Massacre. They're not going to talk about any of the other... No. Okay. They don't. I wonder if they'll talk about it later. <laughs> I would really like to talk to some indigenous people, how they feel about all of this BS written about their people. Yeah. It's offensive, I think. It can't have been that rosy. Creating the problem first by taking their land that they need other lands then to live on. Right. And then helping them. I'm not going to give them a whole lot of credit for this. No. Uh, especially given the context and the history mm -hmm. when you appropriate somebody else's culture in order to write a book continue to appropriate that culture and then you get money from people i find it vastly offensive and racist joseph smith sends oliver cowdery on these missions to the lamanites which fail spectacularly for a lot of reasons but they start telling these stories from the 1870s which is decades later <laughs> I mean, literally more than 30 years after Joseph Smith is dead, they've got this, right. you know, happy story about how some northern Shoshone got helped out. Uh, with some agricultural lessons. I did a little reading on that, and I found this thing on utahindians.org, which is a project of the University of Utah. And they were talking about this Shoshone reservation. Like, in 1875, they were starving to death. And they have these people who are saying, we're going to give you food, and we're going to give you agricultural land, and we're going to give you stuff out of the bishop's storehouse. But you need to be Mormon. I would have converted to anything. Absolutely. I would have converted if it meant that my children would get food. Yeah. Uh -huh. Of course. Sign me up. What religion do you want me to be? The farm that they were talking about. So eventually a bunch of them do end up settling on a farm which is not owned by these individuals. It's owned by the Mormon church. Right. I'm not saying there weren't individuals who got homesteads, but there was this yeah. big farm that the Mormon church bought. And there's this line in here that just kills me. So they moved into this farm called Washiki, which was supposedly named after 
or one of their leaders. And this would have been in 1880. And then in 1960, it says, tragically, in the summer of 1960, representatives of the LDS church who mistakenly believed that Washiki had been abandoned, burnt the Shoshone's houses to the ground in preparation for the sale. And then they gave him some other land nearby. I have no idea if it was more land or less land, but... <laughs> Oh, the Mormons burnt their houses. Oh, Jesus. Not because they were houses of Shoshone, just because they thought they weren't there anymore. I would actually love to find more detail now that I'm reading this. Yeah. They sort of really gloss over the friction. There was a ton of friction. Like, ask the Utes how they feel about it. Yeah, I bet. I think what this really covers up is how few native people had any interest in this white guy telling this very white story about a god they knew nothing about white mansplaining their history to them they were just not impressed to tell somebody here i'm going to take your entire culture and history and i'm going to tell you that it's this book compared to everything that you've been taught through your generations of humanity that have lived in this land and shared their oral history and their songs and their traditions and their beliefs and their appreciation for the land and then to say no 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 you guys are wrong don't listen to your oral histories. Don't pay attention to all the things that your generations of elders have taught you. Here's a new book. This is what really happened. You're practically just white people with melanin. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody's like, hey, Gigi, I'm going to tell you about your entire life history. You've been wrong about it. You have no idea who your family is. You don't know who your history is. It's all been wrong. I'm going to give you a new one. And come over to our side and your skin will change color. So many Mormons don't realize how offensive it is. Is to mm -hmm. not only appropriate somebody's culture, but then to like tell the brown people and the black people whether or not they could even be part of this. Mm. My niece, she's been raised by very devout Christian people. She was not aware of what Mormons really were. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the look on her face when I told her that this was a religion that didn't even let black people in until the 70s. She's 12 years old, but she understood like how offensive it is for a church to say that they're not going to let an entire group of people in because of their skin color but the Mormons don't find it offensive. That's God. That was ancient history. That's right. <laughs> I was alive in 1976 when this was announced, and I remember everybody being like, wow, this is a great thing. In my head, I was like, wait, we used to do what? <laughs> like, because nobody ever talked about it. Right. I lived in Boise, Idaho. It's not the most diverse city in the world. Yeah, it wasn't an issue because there weren't any black people there. Right. And, and and I was just like, to me, like people were so excited. This amazing thing had happened that they prayed for and stuff. And I'm like, we did what? <laughs> My parents were not at all racist people. And I didn't hear those stories when I was a kid about why black people were excluded, like the little legends that we would tell ourselves. So I wasn't familiar with them. That was not part of my upbringing. And then when this actually happened, I just was shocked that it was something that would have needed to have happened yeah. because it just didn't fit my image of the perfect church. It just wasn't part of your Mormonism story either. It wasn't at all. No. And if you only live amongst white people, there'll be white people in your church and it'll probably never come up. Right. Yeah. The Mormon church itself is very, very white. It sure is. I went to a number of different wards throughout Southern California. I think maybe we had one black guy in a church in Mira Mesa once, and that was right after this whole thing came out. This was like early 80s. Wow. But other than that, no. He must have felt like such an outsider. I mean, I don't even know if he was serious or if he was just coming in to check it out. <laughs> That's all I can say. I don't even know who he was. I once saw one black man in one Mormon church in 1982 in the Mira Mesa ward. I think the only one I ever saw 
was someone I brought with me when I was a missionary. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I would say I didn't see any brown people either. Now, I lived in Mira Mesa, which is a very big Asian community. We didn't have any Filipinos. We didn't have any Asians. We didn't have any Mexican people. And we lived next to Tijuana. But if you do go south, you will find more. But in Southern California, where I was, it was predominantly white in my wards. In places where you had big immigrant communities, I don't think this is done as much anymore, but if they converted people, they would tend to be put in wards that spoke the language were not or... formally segregated but they were it's a Spanish language ward or yeah. it's a Chinese yeah. language ward right. which effectively segregated them thank you so much for joining me today thanks for sharing your lives with me it was fun it's always a pleasure and we'll see you next time yes, I will be more alive feel better Gigi thank you good luck <laughs> see ya bye guys I guess this is my new normal <laughs> <laughs>